Hello and welcome to the first episode of Ankashat, where we discuss the most recent topics and controversies in oncology. Hi everyone, I'm Dr. Rezvan Montazari. And I'm Dr. Borna Farazman. We are oncologists and today's discussion is on immunotherapy in gastroesophageal cancers. Thanks to recent evidence, we now have a better understanding of the relationship between PDL1 CPS level and the efficacy of immunotherapy in gastroesophageal cancers. Despite this, there is still controversy about the best threshold for prescribing immune checkpoint inhibitors in different settings. Although NCCN has updated its guidelines based on new publications, there seem to be inconsistencies in their recommendations. Today, we will review recent articles and see where our interpretation might go wrong. In 2023, we had interim analysis of two trials testing the addition of pembrolizumab to chemotherapy in advanced gastroesophageal adenocarcinomas, keynote 859, negative, and an update of keynote 811, positive tumors, which showed increased overall survival and progression-free survival respectively. However, both trials indicated that there is probably no benefit for CPS less than 1. As a result, the updated NCCN guidelines do not recommend adding pembrolizumab in tumors with CPS less than 1 in either settings, and that makes sense, but there are some issues and inconsistencies that we want to highlight. So, without further ado, let's discuss them one by one. First, in the latest version, NCCN still allows the use of nivolumab for advanced hair to negative adenocarcinomas with CPS less than 1, even though there is no evidence of overall survival benefit here. In the latest update of Checkmate 649, the main trial of nivolumab in this setting, with a 4-year follow-up, the overall survival hazard ratio for lower CPS is almost 1. Therefore, we think that NCCN should at least limit the use of nivolumab to patients with a CPS of 1 or higher in this setting. Second, NCCN SC recommends nivolumab in esophageal SCC irrespective of TPS or CPS level. The primary trial here is Checkmate 648. They reported outcomes for TPS of 1 or more and for the overall population but not for TPS of less than 1. However, just by looking at survival curves in this trial, we can guess that nivolumab has no or minimal overall survival benefit in low TPS. NCCN should reconsider its recommendation here too. Also, we should request researchers to report outcomes in a specific CPS range to avoid misinterpretation. And that leads us to the third issue. Keynote 811 reported outcomes for CPS 1 or more altogether. But unlike Keynote 859, it didn't separate CPSs lower and higher than 10. As a result, we can't be sure that pembrolizumab is effective in all patients in this range. This mixed data of different CPSs can be very misleading and we should stop recommending agents using this kind of report. The same is true about pembrolizumab esophageal SCC based on Keynote 590, which didn't do a separate subgroup analysis on lowest CPS range. Even in Keynote 859, that they did a post hoc subgroup analysis in CPS 1 to 9, we can't be sure if it's effective enough in the lowest CPSs.
So as the fourth point, we want to remind ourselves that the CPS cutoffs such as 1, 5 or 10 were primarily chosen arbitrarily. We should explore the optimum cutoffs and standardize the reporting. This may be accomplished by systemic review of various trials. For instance, if we select a hazard ratio of about 0.70 like what is used in the ESMO MCBS scoring system, the best cutoff would probably be closer to 5 or 10 rather than 1. Fifth, we have enough evidence to suggest that immunotherapy is effective in microsatellite instability high gastroesophageal cancers. So, we should stop mixing the outcomes of these patients with others in this setting, as they may falsely show higher effectiveness of the intervention in different CPS levels, most importantly in low CPS tumors. The last but not least, it seems that we should work on the novel endpoints beside conventional ones. We strongly encourage everyone to compare the overall survival curves of Keynote 859 and Checkmate 649 to see how similar they are, and yet the median survival benefits in the two trials are much different. The event-free survival curve in Keynote 585 is another good example of what is wrong with median time. Let's elaborate on this issue. Summarizing a trial in the median time, like saying drug X increased overall survival by two months, is misleading. On a curve, the median time just considers one single point and ignores the rest. While hazard ratio is complementary, we must remember that because of the delayed effect of immunotherapy, the proportional hazard assumption may not be met. And because it's unitless, it must be accompanied by a number that quantifies the magnitude of benefit in time. So, instead of using median time alongside them, we think that milestone survival analysis and endpoints related to the area under the curve, like restricted mean survival time, are more valuable and informative in immunotherapy trials. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Please subscribe, share with others. You can also reach us at anchorshotpodcast at scientgmail.com.